This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. Welcome to Backstage at Tilla Center. I'm Sherry Linker, Director of Communications here. So excited. We have a celebrity today. Yes, it's that the famous Larry the Duck, the host of WLIR and the alternative rock station on Sirius XM First Wave. Larry, thank you so much for coming. Sherry, thank you for the kind words. I'm honored to be on this podcast with you. First things first, why the duck? <laughs> Remember the Marx Brothers? Buy a duck. Buy a no chicken. Uh, the old buy a duck bin. I used to run that on the air, by the way. Well, what happened was when I started on the air, um, I went to St. John's University. I did college radio there. And I actually started while I was at St. John's. I was a junior. And um, because my name, my real name is Larry Dunn, they used to call me Duck Dunn on the air. My first night on LIR was June 1st, 1979. And I was known as Larry the duck done. What happened was uh, the DJ that was there at the time, John DeBella, who gave me the name, he left and went to MMR in Philadelphia. And I was always admiring what was happening in Los Angeles at K-Rock, K-R-O-Q. And there was a DJ there who I've been very friendly with ever since named Jed the Fish. And I remember going to Dennis McNamara, our program director. I said, you know, people remember nicknames. You know, maybe I should just switch to Solari the Duck and model it after Jed. And Jed knows I modeled it after him. And he said, try it. And it stuck. The problem was when I got to Sirius XM about 15 and a half years ago, I tried to go back to my real name and they said, well, they don't know you by real name. So I'm stuck. It's like a curse. I got the duck thing. So, uh, but I guess for Long Island, everyone knows the Island duck and the Long Island duck and the Long Island ducks. So I guess it kind of sticks because I'm a Long Island guy. Very true. Well, I, I tried to look up the background behind that. So thanks for sharing that finally. Yeah, I get it. That's the one question I get asked all the time. And, and I have no problem with, with answering it. It just uh, it just sticks. So the duck, people call me the duck, the duck or Larry the duck. Um, so, all right, everybody's all our listeners are probably saying, why? Why is Larry the duck on Backstage at Tillis Center. Well, for those who were here and those who weren't here, uh, this past Saturday night, we presented Lost 80s Live, which is was a veritable uh, smash hits of the 80s, and Larry the Duck was the host. And how much fun was that for you, Larry? Oh, it was a blast. You know, I, I have not hosted a show at the Tillis Center probably in about 15 years. I think the last time I was there was the B-52s played live, and I introduced them. Uh, I have to tell you, I love the Tillis Center. I've always loved the Tillis Center. I know you do a lot of cultural arts and orchestras and not just the rock side as well. Uh, my first concert at the Tillis Center was actually the Marshall Tucker Band. I was actually in high school at that time, and what it, what happened was, I don't know what I was doing, but you know, my friend Brian Ferris and I, we were towards the front of the stage, and when the lights went down, um, in those days, the Marshall amps were stacked stage left, stage right, as opposed to having the speakers in the ceiling. And we actually, there was a crawl space in between the speakers. We actually crawled onto the stage in between the Marshall's amps, and we, we ended up being backstage for the whole show. And they just thought we were two students from CW Post College. So that was my first memory of the Tillis Center. And I reenacted it this Saturday night because I mentioned, I actually told the story on, on stage uh, because we're introducing seven bands. So you got a lot to say when you're up there, band after band. 
And my wife was sitting uh, towards the front row and I said, let's reenact the moment. And I had my wife pretend she was me. But in essence, I was bringing her up on the stage as a surprise because we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, which got a nice round of applause from oh, the crowd. Congratulations. Thank you. But it was a great night. I mean, Lost 80s Live was great. You know, I, I was with the same bands the night before at the Ford Amphitheater in Coney Island in Brooklyn. And I'll tell you. Shari, I've introduced maybe three bands in a night, but to introduce 15 bands over 24 hours was really exhausting. Do but you it was think, such a fun night. Should we submit that to the Guinness Book of World Records? <laughs> you can. You can. And the funny thing happened, too. I, I hosted an event um, yesterday that was benefiting the New Children's Hospital that will be opening up in December at Stony Brook uh, Medicine. And, you know, we raised a lot of money uh, with Maddie and Joseph, the Three Village uh, Lemonade Stand. And two Suffolk County police officers came up to me, and they really do community relations and were there for the event. But Casey, who was the Suffolk County officer, came up to him and said, I was at the show Saturday night. That was great, what you did to your wife. And I was like, wow, you were in the crowd? She goes, I had a great time. When I heard, you know, that the Tiller Center had a flock of seagulls and naked eyes and Wang Chung and the list goes on and on. They, she said, I had to attend, and I had such a great time. So from a Suffolk County police officer coming into Nassau County, I thought that was pretty cool. And that brings up a good point, because, you know, being on Long Island, there there are many choices of where to go. But I, mm. but Tillis Center, the history that Tillis Center has on Long Island is a lot is more unique than many of the other venues. Is that, having been here as a high school, or is that something that still draws you back here? Yeah, Sherry, it's, still, it's a great question. I mean, it still draws me back because you can kind of feel the nostalgia. And it's so intimate, even though, I guess, what is it, 2200 seats? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I always remembered that number, too, because I was the concert chairman at St. John's University. And I was very friendly in my college days with the fellow colleges and universities because we all did concerts. And Alumni Hall, I had the benefit of having 6,250 seats which was 150 seats more than Radio City Music Hall. But a little-known fact about the Tillis Center, see, LIR, when I was in LIR, we actually did a lot of radio concerts from the Tillis Center. And if you and I told the bands this backstage. I didn't say this on stage, but I told the bands, if you remember Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band and their version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town, that was actually from a WLIR broadcast, and that was at the Tillis Center. That, that actual song was recorded live at the Tillis Center, and to this day is famous. Well, I have to tell you, when I got here a year and a half ago, that's exactly what I found out, although I didn't realize it was part of WLIR. And I said, we need to be saying that as part of who we are. And so we've included that in our about. But you know what? Now we'll add WLIR to that. So thanks for Yeah, that. because we used to rebroadcast the show. And we always said it was live from the Tillis Center at CW Post College. So and I, I believe the date and this is my memory. So. I could be wrong. I thought it was 1976. Yes. I think it's like December, you're testing me, 6th, 7th, 12th, something like that. Which would make sense why he did Santa Claus is Coming to Town. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness it wasn't July. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, no at this time of year, it's so hot outside. I, I don't, well, actually, winter is my least favorite season, quite frankly. <laughs> well, but that's it's funny, you know, being, being a Long Islander, is it true that we just go from summer to winter, no fall? We go from winter to summer, no spring? It sounds like it, especially nowadays. So yeah. so I'm curious because I, I, I know a little bit about your background. I know you started as an intern and then worked up your way to DJ and program director. But being on a uh, university campus, 
I think a lot of the listeners may be interested in knowing, you know, just how you did make that transition. Uh, from intern to radio announcer? Yeah. I mean, did yeah. were you interested in the business and that's why you wanted to be an intern and then it just grew from there? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I had a mentor when I was at St. John's University and I'm on the board of the College of Professional Studies there. And his name is Dr. Jack Franzetti. He's actually still with us. He's 93 years old, still teaches. He got his English, English doctorate in 1946, and he started the communications program. He gave me the green light for a six-credit internship. And I've always said, and actually, I taught at St. John's for one year. I taught radio announcing. And I told the students, intern where you want to work, because that's really the ideal situation. I wanted to work at WIR. And internships are like an open book test. When my internship ended, they hired me. And then I went through different departments. I kind of started in public news and public affairs. I dabbled on the sales side, uh, then on production. And before you knew it, I was part-time in the air. And it ended up being June 1, 1979. And I was scared. My, I, you could hear it in my voice. And I was shaking. But I got through my first show. And, you know, I, I kind of say, I just said to um, the crowd at the Tiller Center that, I guess in the last seven months of the 70s, I've been on the radio in the 70s, 80s, 90s, in the last two decades. That makes me five decades of professional radio, right? But do you remember it all is the question. <laughs> yeah, I have a bit of a photographic memory. So a lot of it comes back to me. And I, I don't think about it until, like, Sherry, you asked me a great question. And then it just dawns on me. So it just comes to me. But the Tilla Center, you know, was always special because you always had great quality bands there. And I, I mean, even when I was at LIR, I had been there. I'd introduced bands there as well. We had the Ramones there, I think, once. Uh, but I remember the B-52 show clearly, because that was a fun, fun night. Yeah, well, speaking of fun nights, I don't know if you had a chance to see our lineup for the new season, but we have um, some great, exciting new rock bands coming uh, in the uh, probably ones that you've met and interviewed as well. So I'd love to hear who your favorites are. I mean, we've announced Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo. We have Toto coming, Dennis DeYoung of Styx, uh, soon to be announced Foreigner. The list goes on and on. Who who are your favorites? Well, I, I've always liked Pat. I mean, Pat's a Lindenhurst girl, you know, so you always, you're always cheering on the Long Islanders. You know, if you can get the Stray Cats to reunite again, they just did a, a date in Las Vegas at a rockabilly. They hadn't performed together in 10 years. I think if you did a reunion of the uh, the Stray Cats. I mean, they're from Massapequa. I'm from Massapequa. Um, their house, uh, their, not their house, but their, where they used to play is a place, was a place called Heckle and Jekylls, you know, which became sidekicks in the village of Massapequa Park. Um, that would be great. And uh, a lot of that history in the bands that I like, just so you know, Sherry, um, they did a movie on us. Uh, it's on WLIR. It just came out on Showtime this past March 30th, and it's going to be with Showtime for two years. You can pull it down on Showtime On Demand. If you don't have Showtime, you can just ask your your uh, content provider to give you a thir free 30-day trial, and then you can kill the 30-day trial at the end. The movie's called New Wave, Dare to be Different, and I play myself today, and I play myself 30 years ago, and the bands and the artists you see in that movie, like Howard Jones and U2 and Depeche Mode and Duran Duran, those are the bands that you know we championed and, and certainly I love very much. That was so, a great uh, film. I, it just really takes you back. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. So you'll come. Yeah. You'll come back to. I sound like a chipmunk. I sound like a chipmunk though. <laughs> Thirty years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> well, you said you were you were uh, green, so it took you years <laughs> to perfect the Larry the Duck we all know. 
Also, it took two years of speech therapy on my own dime. I had to clean up my dreaded Long Island accent, which today they don't care what you sound like. But in those days, they were trying to teach you to be more regional. You know, like people from Connecticut sound like they have regional accents, except I can't say aunt. I can only say aunt. That's a <laughs> I, that's a really good point because I'm not from this region. So, um, yeah, but, I had what was called a vowel distortion, and a typical of a vowel distortion, I, they always remembered to tell me. Ah, apple, Larry. Ah, apple, not apple, apple. <laughs> so that that's a valid distortion. It took me two years to clean it up. Wow, that's a lot of work to perfect your art. Oh. So if we get the Stray Cats reunited, you'll come back to host? Absolutely. I wouldn't even hesitate. I'm there. All right, we're going to work on that for you. <laughs> okay. And Also, they did announce to me, and I announced this from the stage, that they are bringing Lost 80s Live back in 2019. Oh, that's great. And I'm sure it'll be various different, either the same and maybe additional bands as part of the lineup. Yeah, they do mix it up. I mean, usually they keep a flock of seagulls in the lineup. And it was interesting because um, in speaking to Mike's score over the last, those two two nights that we had a flock of seagulls at the Tiller Center and in Brooklyn, it was interesting. You know, the band had broken up for a number of years and Mike was living down in Key West and he's a carpenter by trade, which I did not know. And he got a phone call one day saying, hey, would you guys mind doing a reunion show? And he did it. And ever since that phone call, he's still been doing it. So they make a lot of money on the corporate side as well, as in, in addition to playing venues like the Tiller Center. Oh, I'm so sure. I, I, hope, I hope it comes back to the Tiller Center next year. All right. Before we go, we're called Backstage at Tiller Center because we ask all of our guests to tell their favorite backstage story. Oh, wow. My favorite backstage story. Does it have to be the Tiller Center? Or is it no, wherever. Just uh, fun, either embarrassing, fun, or uh, just something that no one else would really hear anywhere. Yeah, you know, it's, the one thing that always stays in my mind, you know, there are only three venues in the world that still give me the goosebumps. The old Yankee Stadium, not the new Yankee Stadium. Um, Fenway, even though I'm a big Yankee fan, I, I once went to a game at Fenway, and it's just stunning to walk into that venue. But Madison Square Garden, there's something about the garden, even before the renovation and after the three phases of the renovation, I still get goosebumps. And there's only one time in well, my Well, you career, are a I duck, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Um, I introduced Duran Duran and Erasure at Madison Square Garden. And I have to tell you, the feeling of euphoria that you get when you go on that stage is like none other than I've ever ex ex experienced it. The feeling is this. When the lights go down, and you can appreciate this being backstage, you're backstage with the band, everything's great, but something magical happens when the lights go down, and then you're following the roadie with the little white light, and you go to that center stage mic, and you just say hello, and it just booms through the garden, and then you say your name, you say WLIR, and the place goes, you know, just cheer, and you got to stop and take a step back and just soak it in, and you just say to yourself, this is what Mick Jagger sees. Oh, my God. Wow. I got chills from your story. Or goosebumps, hey. rather. Sorry. Or duck bumps. <laughs> right. Larry, thank you so much for making time to join us today. Um, Sherry, you've been the best. Thank you very much. And, and thanks to Vanessa Kellogg and everybody there at the Tillis Center. They were great. Kane, the stage manager. Yes, he Kane was wonderful. Chain. Yeah. I always love the crew. You know, I, I always get along with the crew because they know that I have no ego in this. And I... I'm not pompous and I'm just one of them. And, and they, they recognize that right away. So I always, and actually I gave a huge plug for the crew 
both the band's Thank crew you. and the Tillerson's crew from the stage because they need to get acknowledgement because the people that work behind the stage, since we are backstage here at the Tiller Center, they deserve a lot of praise. Well, that is so kind, and we really appreciate that. So hopefully you'll join us again on the podcast. I will. I and again on stage can... to host. So. <laughs> I will, and I'm honored to have been on the stage at the Tillis Center. It is sacred ground, and thank you for having me. Thanks. You've been listening to Backstage at Tillis Center on the campus of LIU Post in Brookville, Long Island. Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit wcwp.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.